0: Um, Yeah, my name is Sarah Lowry, and I am on staff here at at Ball State with Crew. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you guys tonight. And this is my sixth year on staff with Crew, and I, like Amanda said, lead the women's ministry over in DeHorty in Park Halls, and I also give leadership to our student outreach team. And I am married to David, who many of you know, and he is great. If you don't know him, you should get to know him. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about a topic that I am well acquainted with. Um, it's been a reoccurring issue in my life, and I'm excited to tell you about how I've been learning about this issue um, and what I've what I experienced through growing um, in this issue. But before we get started, I'd love to take a poll. So I'd like you to raise your hand if you, to some degree have experienced worry or anxiety at some point in your life? Great. Let's all just start with acknowledging that this is an everybody issue. This is something that everyone experiences. Would it surprise you guys to know also that the command do not fear is the most frequently found command in the entire Bible? In fact, there are 365 fear nots in the Bible. There's literally a verse that says, fear not for every single day of the year. And I am personally very aware of the anxiety in my life. I experience worry over a number of different things. As missionaries with crew, David and I raise our own financial support, which means we're completely dependent upon the giving of others and ultimately the provision of God for each and every paycheck. And sometimes I find myself worrying that even though God has provided for us in this way for over six years, Uh, that for whatever reasons, he's going to stop doing that tomorrow. I also find myself worrying about what other people think of me. I always wonder if someone took something the wrong way that I said, or if I haven't talked to someone in a while, I can even become anxious that they might be hurt or mad that I haven't connected with them recently. I even worried about giving this talk tonight, so... Um, I think that the photo uh, should be behind me really personifies my ability to worry about just about anything. (laughs) And I would imagine that many of you can relate to me as I describe some of the things that cause anxiety in my heart. And the truth is that all of us experience anxiety about our lives. Whether it's school or money or family or friends, your health the future, or anything else, worry and anxiety tend to leave us feeling paralyzed and helpless. And maybe you find yourself here tonight wondering what to do about this problem. You're wondering, how do I trust God with the things that I worry about? Worry and anxiety affect everyone, and as we experience anxiety in our life, we can become tempted to believe that we need to live to protect and provide for ourselves rather than trust God to provide for our needs. So tonight we're going to take a look at what Jesus has to say about anxiety. We'll look at why it is that Jesus commands us to not be anxious and what he instructs us to do about our worries and anxiety. Before we get started, let me go ahead and pray for us. God, we thank you that your word tells us who you are and how we can trust you to provide for us. Lord, I pray that you would use your word to alleviate the fears and the worry that we have. Use your Holy Spirit to teach us about Jesus and to make us more like him. Amen. So our passage tonight is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. If you have your Bible or a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and pull that out so you can follow along with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that blue card that's under your seat and you can write that on the back of the blue card. Someone will figure out a way to get a Bible to you, but we want to make sure that everyone has access to the Word of God. Um, Also, the words will be on the screen behind me for you guys to follow along. These are the words that Jesus spoke to the multitudes of people gathered around him as he gave what is considered the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's recounting of this sermon is three chapters outlining Jesus' instruction on how to live as a follower of Christ. And the verses we're going to be looking at specifically tonight deal with the problem of anxiety. In this passage, Jesus commands his followers to not be anxious about their lives, but to instead seek the kingdom of God. Now, it's clear from this passage that Jesus doesn't want his followers to be anxious. And I think it's worth noting that in this passage, Jesus doesn't just suggest that we not be anxious about our lives. Rather, he commands us, do not be anxious. I often don't think of my own anxieties and worries as sin. I don't see my fear as something to be taken so seriously. However, we need to take the sin of worry just as seriously as we do any other thing in our lives that displeases God. However, when I say being anxious is a sin, many of you hear me saying, don't be anxious, as a stern rule. And that sounds really religious and just not very helpful. However, in this passage, Jesus doesn't tell his followers to not be anxious but also gives them practical and comforting reasons why they shouldn't worry. It's as if Jesus says, do not be anxious, and means it to to be a calm comfort and not just a command. My followers, do not be anxious. So like I said, in this passage, we see many reasons that Jesus gives us not to be anxious. And tonight, I want to specifically look at four of them. Four reasons that Jesus gives us not to be anxious. First reason we see in verse 26, it reads, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So the first reason that Jesus gives us to not be anxious is that God provides for the birds. Jesus is drawing our attention to the birds and saying that while they work and make their nests and find their worms, God is the one who provides for them. They don't gather into barns hoarding their food as if they will not be provided for come tomorrow. Instead, they have what they need today and live as if they will be provided for tomorrow. They live as if the God who is God today will still be God tomorrow. And Jesus says, are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than these birds who God provides for each and every day? Yes. People are more valuable than mere birds. People were made in God's image, and people were given dominion over all the earth and its creatures, including birds. And people are who God loves so much as to give his only son for their sins. God values people far more than he values birds, and yet he still provides for the birds. So how much more can people trust that God will take care of them? The second reason that Jesus tells us not to be anxious is in verse 27. Jesus says, "In which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life?" What Jesus is essentially asking is, what do you gain from being anxious? What good does being anxious produce in your life? Being anxious about something will never improve your circumstances. And Jesus wants us to realize that we gain nothing by being anxious about the situations in our lives. So the second reason not to be anxious is anxiety gains you nothing. Now, some of you are probably wondering if worrying actually does gain you something. Maybe you're thinking that worrying can motivate you or that anxiety can even drive you to think through your plans and actions. And I think that this is a really a misconception. We mistake thoughtfulness and preparation worry and anxiety. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to be thoughtless or never plan ahead. He wants us to be wise and thoughtful about our lives. But while trusting God to provide for our needs rather than stressing out and worrying to provide for ourselves. Don't mistake worry and anxiety with thoughtfulness and preparation. These are actually mutually exclusive and Jesus commands us not to be anxious because it gains us nothing. The third reason Jesus tells us not to be anxious is that God knows your needs now and forever. Verse 31 and 32 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. This God who values us more than birds that he provides for has the ability to provide for us and knows what we need. Did you know that God has ultimate knowledge? Did you know that he also has ultimate power? Luke 1.37 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. And 1 John 3.20 says, He knows everything. And there are many other verses throughout Scripture that affirm that he has ultimate knowledge and ultimate power. God is omniscient and omnip- omnipotent, which are just big words for God knows everything and can do anything. One of my favorite quotes is from author A.W. Tozer, and it reads, With the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? Surely we are the most favored of all creatures. God is not unaware of the situations in our lives that cause us anxiety. In fact, he knows what you need, and he knows how he will provide for those needs. And Jesus wraps up this passage in verse 34. It says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The fourth reason Jesus tells us not to be anxious is that tomorrow will be anxious for itself. What he's saying is not that you don't have troubling things in your life. It's not as if Jesus is saying, those things that keep you up at night, they're no big deal. You're overreacting. But rather, he is saying, trust God with what is causing you anxiety today, and he will provide for you. And then tomorrow, do the same thing. And then the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day. So David and I have been married for a little over five years now. And during those five years of marriage, I have learned that we think about some things very differently. And one of those things is how far ahead we typically plan in life. And so one day we were driving in the car and I was thinking about this difference between us and I asked David, you know, about how far would you say you think ahead or plan for? And I'm thinking maybe he's going to say, you know, six months, a year, two years, something like that. And his response is, well, I think about what I need to do today. Sometimes I think about tomorrow. (laughs) And so I stared back at him in disbelief. What? What are you saying? And he said to me, why? What about you? And I said, well, I think about today, but I I also think about every day in between, about now and when I'm going to die. And so needless to say, I'm the type of person that is always thinking about what's next. I had a savings and retirement plan like as soon as I graduated from college. I have a very detailed plan on how to deep clean my house annually. And I have a a plan to even read 1,000 books before I turn 70. I'm not only a person that plans ahead um for the next days but often the next months and sometimes years now again don't hear me saying that planning ahead is a bad thing and actually the proverbs are full of instructions to be wise and make preparations however i tend to not just plan ahead but also to worry about the days and months and years ahead and when i find myself in a season of life where i am particularly anxious It is always because I'm having trouble trusting that God will take care of what I need in the future and not resting in how God has provided for my needs today. Just like the birds, Jesus wants his followers to live as if the God who is God today will still be God tomorrow. But the reason that actually gives me the most comfort and freedom in the midst of anxiety is actually not listed in this passage. So let's take a look at Romans 8 verse 34. Paul says in Romans, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, our greatest need is not food or clothing or really any of the other things that people typically worry about. Our greatest need is a solution to the separation we experience from God because of our sin. Our greatest need is our salvation. And God has provided abundantly through Jesus Christ. God made this unbelievable sacrifice so that our greatest need could be satisfied. And if you're in Christ Jesus, your greatest need has already been taken care of. Paul argues in Romans 8 that if God was willing to sacrifice so much to provide for our greatest need, why doubt that God would not provide for the other needs in your life? So the fifth reason not to be anxious is because God has made a provision for our greatest need in Christ. Now yesterday on Facebook, I got a notification that it was the nine-year anniversary of the first time that my husband, David, wrote on my Facebook wall. And it was, it was really cute. We were freshmen at Ball State at the time, and he just wrote, It was great to see you at Crew last night. I hope you have a great weekend. And I got all the feels when I read it. Laughter. After I saw this notification, I decided to go back and look through all the posts that we had put on each other's Facebook walls over the last nine years, and I saw how we posted very cordial messages during the first couple years that we knew each other, the much more flirty messages when we started talking, very sweet messages while we were dating, and then just horribly gushy messages while we were engaged. And this actually got me thinking about how David pursued me and cared for me, not just while we were dating, but also into engagement and marriage. And you see, I think that we often see God as someone who pursued us relentlessly, would go to great lengths to have a relationship with us, but once that relationship is secured, he acts as if we're on our own. As if God were a spouse who lets the relationship fizzle out after the marriage ceremony. But Paul's arguing here that it makes no sense for God to relentlessly pursue us and sacrifice so much to then only be unconcerned about our needs. This is not who God is. And Paul is wise when he reasons. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, I'm guessing if any of you or anything like me, you're thinking, okay, Sarah, it sounds like you have a lot of great reasons why I shouldn't be anxious, but my real question is, what do I do about the fact that I'm still anxious about a lot of things in my life? And that's a great question. What do we do about the fact that there are things causing us anxiety and just knowing that we shouldn't be anxious doesn't necessarily change the fact that we're anxious. Let's go back to Matthew 6 and look at verse 33. Here Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. John Piper puts it great. He says, in other words, when you think about your life or your food or your clothes or your spouse or your job or your mission, don't fret about them. Instead, make God the king in that affair and in that moment and hand over the situation to his kingly power and do his righteous will with the confidence that he will work for you and meet all your needs. To seek the kingship of God first in every affair and every moment of life is a thrilling way to live. It's full of freedom and peace and joy and adventure and hardship, and it's worth it all. If you believe in the kingship of your Heavenly Father, you do not need to be anxious about anything. Jesus doesn't want his followers to be anxious, but instead he wants those that follow him to trust God to provide for their needs because of who God is and what he has already done. We all have things in our lives that cause us to be anxious, Some of the things that cause anxiety are unfounded, and some of the things are true issues, but both feel quite real to the person feeling anxious. As we identify those things that cause anxiety in our lives, we also reveal the values, priorities, and longings of our heart. So, What about you? What are the things that make you feel anxious? What are the things that bring fear to your heart? Maybe you're one of the many college students that worry about their classes. Do you feel anxiety when you have assignments due or when you think about your GPA? Do you worry about getting the internship that you want or having the perfect experiences on your resume? Or is it money that causes you anxiety? Do you worry about a job that pays well after graduation? Do you worry about paying for school or taking out student loans? You allow financial reasons to stop you from considering going on a summer mission or going to big break. Maybe you're worried about relationships. Do you worry about what other people think of you? Do you worry about finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Or maybe do you worry about if you're going to get married someday? We cannot know how God plans to provide for us but we can be assured that he will provide. Ultimately, you can trust God to provide for your needs because of who God is and what he's already done. So what are some practical steps you can take in dealing with the worry in your life? I have a few things written on the screen behind me, but if you aren't taking notes already, I'd suggest pulling out your phone and jotting these down. Um, These are practical things that you can do now to help with worry and anxiety in your life. I really believe that you will only be relieved of your anxiety in so much as you understand who God is and what he's done for you. I think that in your battle with worry and anxiety, reading scripture is vital. The Bible is our scriptural source of truth, which means it is our greatest resource in understanding who God is. Make regular time to spend in God's word. I would even suggest memorizing scripture. About worry. Start with Matthew 6 or some of the 365 fear knots found in the Bible. Then as you recall what the word says, you'll be reminded that you can trust God rather than trust your fears because of who God is and what he's done for you. Another practical thing you can do in the midst of worry and anxiety is to confess and repent from your sin. Like I mentioned before, we often don't take the sin of worry very seriously And we often don't think that this is something that needs to be confessed to God. However, you need the Holy Spirit to change your heart to believe that God will provide for you rather than being anxious about your life. This will happen as you are confessing and repenting of your anxiety before God and asking him to change you. Finally, 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you and desires that you come to him with the things that cause you to worry. He's the only one that can do anything about the things that cause you anxiety Anyways, so go to him. Tell him what causes you to worry and acknowledge that you need him to provide for you because you are unable to provide for yourself. So three practical things you can do in dealing with anxiety in your life, be in God's word to remind yourself of who he is, Confess and repent from your sin of worry and cast your anxieties on God, knowing that he cares for you. So the talk series we're going through right now is all about eternal perspective, or in other words, living with eternity in mind. But our anxiety in this life can paralyze us and cause us to believe that we need to live to protect and provide for ourselves rather than trusting in God to provide for our needs. But when we seek first the kingdom of God, Or as John Piper put it, when we make God the king of the affairs in our life, we can have freedom to live in light of eternity rather than living in light of our fears and anxiety. So if you're a Christian here tonight, stop making decisions based on your anxiety. Don't live as if God is going to pull the rug out from under you. If God's calling you to do something that seems uncomfortable or risky, You can follow him with assurance that he has promised to provide for your needs. I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention something to those of you here tonight that either aren't sure what you believe or don't consider yourself a follower of Christ. So I've mentioned several times that God has already provided for our ultimate need in Christ. However, if you've not placed your faith in Christ, if you've not claimed Jesus as your Savior, your ultimate need has not been satisfied. And your other needs really pale in comparison to your greatest need of salvation. If that's you, would you indicate that on your blue card tonight? You can check out the little box that says, I'd like to talk to somebody about having a relationship with Christ. Someone will contact you, get to know you a little bit, and answer any questions that you have about who Jesus is and how you can know him. So I shared with you guys that I often find myself worrying about many different things. Um, but I would, say, I would say that I've been a worrier for most of my life. But the more I've studied God's word, and particularly Matthew 6, I've found the more my anxieties seem unfounded. You see, as I've begun to understand that God loves me, knows my needs, and has the power to take care of me, really starts to seem foolish to spend my life worried about the things that are in God's control and not my own. I realized that I could spend my life terrified of the worst conclusions I could come to, not really believing that God is concerned with my life. Or I could say, God, you know everything. You have ultimate power. And on top of that, you love me. I've learned not to make decisions or plans for my life based upon worry, but rather to make decisions in light of trusting that God will provide for my needs. And you can trust that God will provide for your needs because he values you, he knows your needs, and ultimately because he has already provided for your greatest need through Jesus Christ on the cross. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Father, thank you for your word that helps us to understand who we are and who you are. God, we are anxious people. We doubt that you will protect and provide for us, so we worry about our lives. Thank you that Jesus says that we don't need to live this way. We are so glad that you value us more than birds that you provide for, that you know our needs, and that you've provided for our ultimate need in Christ. God, we need you to change our hearts so that we can live in the confidence that you will provide for us. Use your spirit to shape our understanding of you so that rather than being anxious, we instead trust in your provision. I pray that we would live lives with eternity in mind, seeking to know you and make you known. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.